Hello and welcome back to the New School OBGYN podcast, a podcast in women's health, but for everyone. Our goal is to promote good and reliable knowledge because the source of your information matters. My name is Eric Schmidt. I'm a board certified OBGYN, and today I have back with me Taryn Mioka and Parker, <laughs> just over my shoulder. Uh, please consider downloading and following along. We're on all the major podcast hosts, and check us out on YouTube for the video podcast. Uh, once again, uh, Taryn is with us. She's one of the world's best physician associates. Um, and she did her undergrad here in, Mo- uh, I almost said Milwaukee, um, Washington, and her graduate school in Rake- Wake Forest. Um, and today, what do you want to talk about? Um, let's talk about gestational diabetes and pregnancy. <laughs> good. That's what we had the outline for. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we're going to talk about um, uh, gestational diabetes, and in this, this is going to be a series. And so uh, today, specifically going over the screening aspect and how we diagnose it. Some of that was reviewed in the second trimester prenatal visits, but hopefully we can go in a little more depth uh, here in this podcast. Um, so again, why do we care so much about diabetes um, is a question we'll hopefully answer today. And who is at higher risk and can you actually reduce your risks? And then how do we actually make the diagnosis? And again, as always, frequently asked questions we get along with our clinical pearls and knowledge. So there are both, you know, why we care about diabetes. There's both consequences for uh, the pregnancy and and the mom. Uh, so Taryn, what makes diabetes um, concerning in the mom? So in the mom with diabetes, we know that people tend to have elevated blood sugars or just kind of poor blood sugar control. And this can turn, in turn can actually cause damage to the tissues of um, mom's body. They also put mom at increased risk for gestational hypertension, which also can increase your risk for preeclampsia. There is also evidence that shows that it's increased risk for a C-section as well as some increased risk of birth trauma. Uh, Overall, long-term, we see that people do have an increased risk of developing gestational or developing type 2 diabetes when you have gestational diabetes, um, and that risk is increased by about 10 times the level also has a risk of long-term showing signs of metabolic syndrome as well as cardiovascular disease. Yeah. And so that can be, you know, the increased uh, blood lipids or fats in the blood um, yeah, with the metabolic syndrome. Uh, and then there's also the fetal effects um, with both, again, can be both, um, sh- you know, the short-term during the pregnancy, but also um, these babies can grow up to also have increased risk for um these long-term things such as diabetes, metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular disease. Uh, But as far as the pregnancy goes, babies, uh, like we talked about, have an increased risk of of birth trauma or potentially shoulder dystocia. Uh, Also, there can be increased amniotic fluid in a pregnancy with diabetes, increased risk of preterm birth. Um, The babies tend to be um, larger. Um, We call that macrosomia or large for gestational age. And there, unfortunately, is an increased risk of uh, things like stillbirth and diabetes. Um, And so what actually, or um, if someone's becoming pregnant and they want to know, well, what what are the risk factors for developing diabetes in uh, pregnancy? Well, um, as with pretty much everything, uh, if you have a history of it, there's a much higher chance it's going to reoccur. 
And I wasn't sure if we're going to say this later, but the recurrence rate's about 40%. Mm. Um, if someone has an elevated A1C, and that's a, that's a blood test that maybe your primary care doctor was doing to screen you for diabetes, um, even if you don't meet the diagnosis, if it's somewhat elevated, um, you have an increased risk of gestational diabetes in the pregnancy. Even if your relatives, specifically relatives close to you um, or your first degree relatives have a history of gestational diabetes, your risk is increased. Um, If your BMI is increased, we know BMI is not always the best marker, but um, that's how the studies were done and it showed BMI is greater than 30, do have an um, uh, increased risk along with pregnancies where um, there's an increased weight gain in the pregnancy. Um, Later on, we'll talk about, um, not in this podcast, but another uh, weight gain in pregnancy, uh, because we really haven't touched too much on that yet. Uh, But uh, yeah, if there's, especially earlier pregnancy, um, if there's significant weight gain, um, that um, particularly puts you at risk. Um, And the dreaded AMA, or advanced maternal age, also uh, increases the risk, um, not by a lot, but by some. Um, and there's actually some ethnicities which have an increased risk, specifically Hispanic, Native American, or Pacific Islander populations may have an increased risk. Um, so, Taryn, how do I reduce my risks? I'm trying. I'm trying to get pregnant, <laughs> and I really don't want to be diagnosed with diabetes and have to. Um, do all of the things that comes with that, how can I reduce my risk? Yeah, that's fair. You and a lot of other people have those exact same concerns. I Um, believe so, yeah. um, So the risk reduction is actually pretty similar to just, you know, general risk reduction for diabetes. Um, So you'll kind of hear this probably from your general practitioners, but really healthy diet can reduce your risk as much as by 20%. Um, exercise. We know exercise is good for you, even though we don't like always doing it. Um, lots of benefits come in preconception implementation of improved diet and exercise. So prior to getting pregnant, if you're having these healthy habits, um, that can be really supportive of um, reducing your risk for developing gestational diabetes. And then one of the newer kind of supplements that's kind of been making news, I would say, especially in the PCOS community, is um, a naturally occurring sugar called myonositol. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) Uh, It typically occurs in like fruits, beans, grains, and nuts. There's also a lot of additional like powder supplementations that people are getting online and things like that. But studies are showing that it can potentially improve insulin resistance and has been shown in some studies to have a reduction in gestational diabetes with supplementation in pregnancy. And you can get that over the counter, right? Yeah, you can. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and, you know, those are modifiable risk factors. So things that you can do, which is nice because you can make that change. Uh, but, you know, not all of this is modifiable. Um, and so, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, so that point exactly about risk not always being modifiable is kind of a reason why we do screen everyone. So 90% of people in pregnancy will have at least one risk factor for gestational diabetes, but about 20% of those diagnosed with gestational, gestational diabetes have no risk factors. Um, so it's important that we don't just only specifically screen certain people because you know we might miss 20% of people that have it uh, without risk factors. And also we know that insulin resistance or just 
difficulty with handling blood sugar in the body can develop due to just the natural hormones that are occurring in pregnancy. So progesterone, placental lactogen, those are things that can make it harder for a person's body who's pregnant to deal with their blood sugar, so leading to those elevated blood sugars. Yeah, we definitely see patients that have, you know, are the 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 picture of health, eat well, exercise, and they still get diabetes and, you know, maybe even have to be taking medicines or insulins because of that to keep them in a normal range. And that's because of those hormones of the the pregnancy that, that make it difficult. So um, I often, you know, urge patients, yes, we try to do what, we, or do what you can to, to reduce your risk or, but at the end of the day, it may not be totally under your control. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So we talked about patients that might be, or people that might be at increased risk. Um, and so when we're first seeing these patients, especially if we're seeing them early on in the first trimester, uh, we have the option to, you know, potentially do something called an early screen. Um, and this would be, you know, testing them right away. Uh, we'll get into the testing methods here in a second, but this would be testing them, you know, outside of that normal window. So the normal window, uh, spoiler, is about 24 to 28 <laughs> weeks. Um, but if we see a patient at 12, 14 weeks in the pregnancy, we can do that testing early because we're so suspicious that maybe they do have you know, potentially underlying type 2 diabetes. And this can be done in a number of ways. Um, and so your practitioner um, might um, just give do a blood test with your normal prenatal labs. That's my preference. Um, and this blood test, like we talked about, is that A1C level. Uh, and so that can help you give you an idea of how that patient's blood sugars have been over the last few months. Um, and, or you can do the sugar drink, which is what we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, you can do that early, unfortunately. <laughs> if you pass it, you probably have to do it again. Um, be, and then, or you can just test blood sugars. Um, and if there's significant elevations, um, in those daily blood sugars, you can also diagnose um, diabetes earlier in pregnancy. Uh, but yeah, going to how we normally screen um, the general low risk populations uh, for diabetes is between 28 and, or sorry, 24 and 28 weeks. So this is right at the end of your second, going into the third trimester. Uh, there's two different ways, and it might vary depending on the practice you're part of, but generally two accepted ways. There's a one-step and a two-step process. Um, and so I think there's some people that feel kind of strongly about one or the other. Um, there's not a huge difference. Um, we generally do the two-step process, which sounds worse, but in my opinion, it's better. <laughs> Have you ever seen the two-step? I haven't. You know, so the one step, I'll talk about that then, is a, a two-hour test. Um, you just start ahead with a two-hour test. Um, you do have to be fasting for this one. Um, and you're going to have a uh, 75-gram glucose drink. And after, you're going to get a blood draw three times. One time fasting, one hour after you drink, two hours after you drink. If you have one elevation, you've met the diagnosis and... Um, and so then you'd be diagnosed with diabetes. And so with this method, actually, there's an increased chance that you diagnose diabetes in a pregnancy. But as far as clinical significance, you're like, oh, is this test better then? Um, not actually a, any clinical significance as far as outcomes, as far as mom and baby with doing either the one-step or the two-step process. And so 
Um, I've never been a part of a practice where I've done the two step. I know there's definitely places that do. Um, we do the one step because we do the two step. Oh yeah. I probably said, I probably got that wrong. (laughs) Um, because in my mind there's only one that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, go ahead, Taryn with the two step process, which we do at our clinic. Yeah. So we do the two step approach. Um, I actually recently had to do this a couple weeks ago in my own pregnancy. Well, we took a video. We'll put the video up. Yeah. Um, it's, I didn't love it, but anyway, so what you do is that you drink a 50 gram glucose solution. Um, there have been some studies that have shown an alternative to the 50 gram glucola is like 20 jelly beans or 10 Twizzlers. Um, you don't need a fast before for this one. Potentially some studies have shown that if you're not fasting, it's actually better than if you fast. Um, I don't know a lot about that. You can speak to that. In, so actually it's, it's actually better not to you know, try and fast for this. Um, it's, I think of it almost in a way, like if you have a little something that day, um, it kind of jumpstarts your metabolism and maybe you'll, you know, then it won't be as elevated. Yeah. And so that's how I look at it. And so, yeah, you don't have to fast for this one, which is nice. And the reason why I prefer, cause you can just easily logistically do this better. Yeah. Um, and you want to drink or eat if you're going to do those jelly beans or Twizzlers, um, everything within five minutes of starting. And then after you finish consuming whatever you consume, you get a blood glucose draw one hour afterwards. Um, if it's... Do you like jelly beans or Twizzlers? Not really. Me, also, I feel like I would have a harder time consuming that much in five minutes than just like drinking a drink. Oh, it's difficult. Yeah. I had a cramp in my jaw. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very difficult yeah i don't know i actually don't sounds better but it's not the the drink wasn't great but it wasn't like horrible and i feel like you can drink something pretty quickly so i don't and, know and I'll you may the drink. maybe you'll see in the video if she gives me permission to put it yeah. up but um it doesn't take long no it doesn't especially if you're really good at it. um but so typically the screening is at least in our lab um if it's over 140 then that's a positive screen that's not a diagnosis it's just stays by diabetes it's just a positive screen meaning you would need to go to that second step or if you're really elevated, like over 200, then we can make the the diagnosis of gestational diabetes off of that. So I always tell people if it's positive, unless it's super high, like over 200, to not be alarmed by it, that it's not an f- official diagnosis, but it does mean that we need to bring you back and unfortunately do that second step approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second step would be that similar to the one-step approach, is starting with a fasting draw. Um, It is a three-hour glucose test. So you get the fasting, you drink your drink, and then it's a one-hour, two-hour, and three-hour draw. So there's four levels total that you're getting. And if two of those are elevated, then you meet the diagnosis of gestational diabetes. Um, Overall, I feel like this approach, I don't know, feels like there's areas to be more forgiving almost. (laughs) Like in the... In the, in the two-step? Well, yeah, in, in the two-step yeah. versus the one-step, right? Yeah. Because the one-step, you get like three values, and if one's elevated, yeah. that's it pretty much. But the two-step, like we see a lot of people that do get their first step is elevated, and they pass their second. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's kind of just nice, I think, to have that extra information before making I definitely would drink. I would definitely drink the, the smaller drink and take the chance of, of not passing it and then having to do another one over – trying to logistically do it all in one and do a fasting drink no matter what. So yeah. that's that's my thought. Um, 
And so, you know, if, if you passed it, great. Um, I still try to urge patients, you know, even if you passed your, your, your glucose test, don't go out. I mean, celebrate. Yes. <laughs> this is a big time. Celebrate your, the passing and, and not having gestational diabetes, but also do know that these hormones are still in your body that are making it harder for your body to digest these blood sugars. And so, um, it, it's not just a free pass to eat all the sugar you want the rest yeah, of the pregnancy, especially when baby's about to go through their rapid growth in the, the third trimester. And so trying to set yourself up best for success and reduce your risks, maybe, um, you know, indulge once in a while, not all the time. Um, I did, I did see something on a reel the other day, um, where, it, I mean, I think people are trying to make comedy of it, but like, like, just showing and i think they set it up i i think they're but like just like walking around the corner and like the pregnant mom is just like completely indulging in like 10 different kinds of sweets just makes me um sad um i don't know why i went on that rant <laughs> i don't know why you did either but it was, i think it was just because i just viewed that video but um yeah even if you're not diagnosed with diabetes be a little bit careful with the dietary intake of the carbohydrates later on um and if you are diagnosed with diabetes, you know, we're going to talk about that next. Um, and, um, you know, spoiler, it's going to require some blood testing because all these tests are, are good, but they don't really know how your blood sugars are during the during the day. This, and all this doesn't necessarily mean you're going to need things like insulins or things like that. I would say there are a good percentage of, of patients that are able to control their gestational diabetes with just diet. And I think only like 30% of people need medications. Um, and if it's generally a healthier person that just can't handle that glucose load in their tests that we just talked about, they're usually pretty good at managing the, the day-to-day, um, but we just need more information. So that's how we, we get it with the blood tests. Um, and so, yeah, stay, uh, stay tuned for some of those um, other talks on diabetes. Do you have anything else you want to add, Darren? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Please. Well, that's it for today's podcast then. Uh, thanks for listening and viewing on YouTube. If you have any questions, let us know or maybe comment on which test you did, whether you liked it or not. I'm assuming not many people liked it, but either one. Um, and as always, the content of the podcast and video are for educational purposes only. None of the content is meant for personal, med- personal medical advice. Please contact your medical provider if you're in need for that. Have a good day. <laughs>